Kwaidan, an archaic Japanese word meaning ghost stories, lives up to its chilling title as not just being a horror film, but an anthology full of wisdom and analogy that can be applied even to our current crisis. But before we get into it, I want to thank you for checking out the podcast. I hope you can join us for our discussion for our next film, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, due by April 8th at noon. We'll be talking with special guest and artist Jade Cohen. Send us your comments on the film to projectorfuel at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and maybe we can learn a little bit from each other. All right, let's get started. There's an existential feeling that comes about when you fall in love with a movie made so long ago. It comes from an amazing story, one that feels like a brand new take on life, but a realization that this movie has been around longer than you've been alive, maybe even longer than your parents. It's novel only to you, but it feels feels larger than life because of its age, and places you somewhere on a timeline where you've missed out on so much and aren't sure what it is exactly you've been lacking. I have a memory, and I'm not sure when it's from, but it's well before high school and so many important changes and decisions. It's well before my love of film. It's a memory of hanging out with my mom. On our 4 by 3 aspect ratio television, she's watching a movie where a man's body is painted over entirely with foreign characters. I don't remember when I started or stopped watching with her. I remember seeing his ears being pulled from the man's body. In my memory, the movie didn't excite me or draw me in, and I'm sure I didn't continue watching. Still, that image stuck with me for some reason. A film I had no stock in, no desire to watch, and no ability to understand lingered because of its images. A ghost in my brain that became more more significant as my love of film grew and I sought out movies from all times and places. A ghost that is perhaps at its most significant now in a story for my podcast, or maybe it'll play a larger role in the future. The first story, unfortunately, was the weakest in my opinion, a fairly straightforward tale that lacked so much of the beauty the other stories exuded. The opening credits, quiet and mysterious, had me intrigued, but I was a little disappointed by the end of the black hair. Its message, however, I did enjoy. That man tried to have it all, and I was almost upset that his first wife was so welcoming when he returned, but he ends up rotting in the grave of poverty that he left her in. Good. Strange decision to end on a freeze frame, however. I'm sure the floating hair was more frightening back in the day, but it didn't do it for me. The second story is exactly what I wanted. This, I feel, set the tone for more ambiguity in the story's messages and overall beauty the film boasts in its color and textures. Painted skies with cloud formations to look like eyes gave me goosebumps, and the wind and snow over the ancient dwellings looked like paintings meant to evoke chills. But having been a bit let down by the first story, I was weary that it was going to be anything but scary and provocative. As soon as I saw the woman in the snow, I knew things were going to be different. But let's get to the end. Who is to blame here? Our main guy was spared by the woman because she thought him pretty and young, as long as he never told the secret. Then he meets that cute girl on the road sometime later, they fall in love, start a family, and are living the good life together. He's compelled to tell her the story, because her beauty reminds him of the beauty in that spectral image that ghost possessed many years ago. It's an affectionate moment, but we know the icicle is about to fall. His lovely wife reveals that she's the ghost and decides not to kill him because of their kids. Instead, she leaves. I'm all warm inside at how this story played out. The ghost spared him because she liked him. He broke his promise because he loved her. But in the end, she leaves, maybe because she has to. And the man is sad. There's no folly here unless you want to get on his case for breaking a promise. But I believe he only did so because he was in love. And he was so comfortable with this person that he didn't think such a tragic moment had actually occurred. It's just a ghost tale that leaves you feeling hollow, but not from fear. The third story is the most iconic and definitely the meat in this ramen. Hoichi the Earless begins with a spectacular sea battle, tragically told 
by the singing Hoichi who sits on a cliff over the sea. I know special effects today are amazing, but I'd love to see films return to the painted sky backgrounds like in this or Kagamusha. It doesn't look real, no, but it's so aesthetically lovely. Later, another beautiful painted work is Hoichi's body, when he's covered in the sutra to appear invisible to the spirits. Love the idea of a blind man being led to hell every night, but unable to tell that he's there. Hoichi is told he's not going anymore. The monks paint him to protect him. They say he'll be safe as long as he listens to them. However, they neglect to paint his ears, and as a result of this oversight, he loses them to the ghost. It was an important choice that Hoichi seemed to have no choice in the matter, but those who could see could tell that maybe he was losing his own life by touching the darkness. But in the end, Hoichi winds up a rich man and famous singer. This one, another gray story, ends happy where all the others do not, perhaps because he suffered so much already perhaps because he meant well. Either way, the scene of him in the court of the spirits was absolutely breathtaking. The fourth story, starting off a little funny, as this ghostly image smugly keeps appearing in tea, is a return to the simple sets that the first one had. However, I enjoyed this one much more, because of the mystery and pacing. First, we get to see, I suppose, the narrator of all the stories, but now he's going to play a much more significant role. He writes of a story that will have no ending. We return to the old Japan, where a man is haunted by a spirit. The spirit is not scary or intimidating, just kind of an a-hole that won't respect his personal space. Our man lashes out, and though the ghosts keep disappearing, it seems our man nicked him. Later, the ghost's students come and warn the man that their boss is going to rest up and come back with an attack. It's so strange. Our man tries to fight them off, but they just keep disappearing also, and our boy goes crazy. That's the end of the story. We return to the writer who has disappeared himself, then it plays out. I just don't even really want to analyze this one. I feel like it shouldn't be sussed out. Just a strange ghost story with no ending, as so many real-life ghost stories have. Overall, loved this movie. I could do without the first story, but the last three are something I'd recommend to those who seek horror across the globe. Beautiful, haunting, and certainly imparting. I'd love to watch these on the big screen late at night. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. Hope you can join us for our discussion of Portrait of a Lady on Fire due April 8th at noon. Email your thoughts to projectorfuel at gmail.com. Hope everyone is taking care. Stay safe, stay home, and I'll talk to you later.